All right, Arian, this time we got the GOAT. And I think even people in the social media era and in powerlifting with memories like goldfish should recognize the GOAT when the GOAT is on. Okay, <laughs> if you check the records and numbers don't lie in the Raw Classic Division, undefeated in the U.S. Raw Nationals, undefeated at the IPF World Championships, and if she was European, she would have tagged those on as well. And we haven't seen it yet before anybody had a run like this and coming into the 2021 world championships, she has the unique possibility of being the three division world champion, the first three division world champion in the classic division ever. Man or woman, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. So um, amongst all the other accolades, and um, we have a, a unique storyline. Obviously, she's got a repeated rival, Anna Rosa Castellane, also a Hall of Famer, also going for the exact same distinction, by the way. So, I mean, you're, you're competing against greatness and newcomer Chandler Babb. There's a, a bunch of different storylines I want to get into um, revolving all of those, which, which like, I, I honestly, we said on the preview show that we haven't dropped yet, the 69 kilo class that's about to happen, it is by far the number one class that everyone's got to watch at the IPF World Championships. And I take it a step further. All year 2021, I can't think of a better class to have seen, regardless if it's US Raw Nats, Europeans hasn't happened yet, but anywhere in powerlifting, like I don't think there's storylines like this. How do you feel? Where do you rank this showdown for yourself? It's as important as every other one I've done. And it's funny. I, I just think back and I look at every championship I've done, including now this one coming up. And it's the same story. There's always something that I'm pushing towards. It's always the pressure of what the possibilities could be, the, the pressures of the people you're competing against and just finding the way to just balance it out. It's just as important as any of the other ones is how I see it. And, and you never seem to get an easy one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what adds to the story? <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's like, do some years there's like a, a relatively softer year in certain divisions, and it feels like you're always like, God damn, man, you know, again. But it is what it is. Yeah, pretty much. Well, good thing you know. At least I'm prepared for pressure. So that, that that's it. Um, after 20 years in the game, you know, you were competing in 2002, and we're getting real close to you know 2022, and this is and I've already said all the accolades and it's a remarkable run. How do you stay motivated every time it's, it's just another, do you ever get battle fatigue? Like, like the stakes are high, but. Maybe it's because I'm a Scorpio. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I just relentless. I'm relentless in chasing goals. Um, I think also a part of it is, you know, the, those, haters and naysayers who are plotting against you because they don't want you to win for whatever reason. So that's always another source of motivation for me, but it's just the relentless pursuit of goals and wanting to be better and seeing how much farther I can squeeze it. How much, how many more kilos can I squeeze out of this? Like I said, I know it's only for a finite amount of time, but I'm trying to get every kilo I can out of this, every accolade I can before, you know, I have to move on to something else. And do you think, what would, what would you attribute to your ability to stay on top 
if you could surmise what's probably the number one quality, why you're still here. Cause so many people have come and gone over the course of 20 years. My God, you must've seen so many waves. Yeah. How are you still here? I would say that first and foremost, my belief in myself and my abilities and knowing that I can only control what I can control and I can't worry about everything else outside of it. Now, I'm not going to say that I am not aware of other things happening, but you have to know how to turn it off and focus on where you are in that moment. And that's what I've been able to do is just be confident in myself and say, this is what I need to do to be able to be my best. And that's all I can control. So that's what I focus on. And is it over the course of this time period, has that shifted in terms of, you know, your mental strength and your motivation and discipline in terms of, have you had ups and downs? You're like, it has gotten to you and you've had to learn the hard way because the thing is you usually for a lot of people, you learn through trial and error and failures. And, and even though I just said your resume were like, you've never taken an L in the classic division when it comes to us raw Nats worlds, but you have been tested and you have taken like tested on and off the platform in life in general, like in ways that people will never know, you know? Yeah. Um, so has it always been like this? Have you always had this resolve or is it built over the years? Um, I think I've always had it within me and I just think it's gotten stronger as I've gotten older. I just want to believe like with every experience when, and I'm not even thinking about the positive ones. I'm thinking about the negative ones and the ones you're just in between about how you feel about how it affected your life is being able to take the, the knowledge from those experiences and applying it forward. Um, I think one thing that's definitely has helped me is just realizing for the most part, minus death, all shit is uh, temporary it's when it's negative. It's just a matter of finding the right people to surround you and to help you ride it out as you get through that, the crappy time. And know that there is some light at the tunnel. You just kind of keep pushing towards it. But it, it, it's, yeah, it, uh, sorry, were, were you going to keep going there? Oh, no. no. Okay. Um, yeah, I know it is. Um, it's funny how like experience can make you stronger, right? Like mentally and physically where after you overcome a couple of things, you're like, holy shit, I overcame that. Like, holy shit, I came back from that. And all of a sudden your confidence gets bigger. Like, well, if I got checked and that was a hard chin check and I came back from that, you know, you, you stop, you stop getting scared of a few things. Like when other things come and they're smaller, you're like, you gotta be crazy if you think this intimidates me or you gotta be like, you don't know what I've been through. Yeah, I don't get intimidated, but I will never be arrogant enough to think that someone can't hit you hard enough that you can knock you down for even a longer time than the last. Um, right. I've never been that way, but I will say this, yes, um, continuing to persevere through things that uh, are very stressful and negative can only make you stronger because it just shows us one more thing, like you said, that I was able to overcome and that will never leave me. Um, that fight is always in me to, to fight, to be better, to be stronger, to persevere. So it, it is true. It. It, it is true. Life can humble you, huh? It, it is true where you do learn like, yeah, I guess that's true. Too. You made a good point where um, when you're riding the high, when you've been humbled, you realize like, I got to watch myself because life can humble me. If I, if I think it's all going to be always all good. Um, what are some of the I biggest, it. I feel the need. I got to say this is a okay. difference between being humbled by something that you had no control over versus being humbled by something that you did something to cause it to happen. Speak on that. Expand on that. That's interesting. Oh, That's interesting. like for instance, uh, me, uh, my unexpected separation from powerlifting after two, when I came back, what, 2017, 2018, yeah. that wasn't through my control. It was because I was being 
discriminated and targeted by USAPL. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, I'm calling them by name. And I had to fight to, to get back. And I had, thankfully, I was surrounded by many people who supported me and helped to make that happen. But I knew, and I have no problem saying it, that it was an extremely stressful time for me, but I knew that it would eventually ride out whatever was meant to be, would be, and I knew that I would do everything I could to try and make it happen. And it's not just powerlifting, this is just life itself. You know, if something is worth it, you will fight for it. And as long as you've done everything you can to fight for it, then it's not a loss if things don't often work, don't work out in your favor. But you at least have to fight for yourself and others when you know that things are right. And it's you're being mistreated. It, it, it's, it's, um... It, it, it's a story that probably it hasn't been fully told, but it is admirable. The fact that like, you really do find out who's got your back, who doesn't. And it would be so easy. And it had to be, it would be intimidating when like you're you and it could be, you know, people in the, or slash an organization. And it's almost like swimming uphill. And it, it would be easy just to be like, I got to stop swimming against the stream. Just let it happen. I, I can't fight this, you know, it, and then in certain points, it's like, no, I got to keep, I got to keep swimming against it. What do you think your motivation was? Was it a personal thing? Was it also like, if it can happen to me and you're the goat, as big a high profile as you are, it can happen to anybody. And I have to find another pathway. What was the motivation to keep swimming against dream? I think for me, because I knew it was an injustice and it was an injustice, not against, not just against me, but against other people that I knew that it happened to as well. But I felt like, because of my position of powerlifting is something I don't talk about, but because of what I've accomplished, I felt like I had to be one of the people to make it happen, to, to fight back because people I felt like would listen because of someone happening to me at, at, at my level. And it's not like I'm trying to say that, oh, I'm better than people who only compete at a local or, or state level or national. No, I'm not saying that at all. I, I had to do it for you guys too. And, and now I can see things coming full circle, you know, where I am now and now being in a position where things are able to help other people that it feels even better to know that when I was going through that crap, you know, when things weren't the easiest of days that now we're in a position now where even more people can benefit. And I'm happy to see it. Yeah, it, um, no question. If it's, if it can happen, you, again, like you are, you are the greatest powerlifter we've seen. In, in the classic division, if it could happen to you and you were representing the USAPL, nobody would be safe, right? And, um, and you of all people know what it's like to be training and, and working for a world championship. And some of these lifters have been there before and got their dreams taken. Some of these lifters, like a Jonathan Keiko, um, the first year he won US Raw Nats, COVID comes, pandemic, and he loses it. Second year through powerlifting politics, looks like he might lose it again. So when you were watching from afar, so to speak, um, some of this unfold and you, your association with the USVI um, and knowing that there was open spots, you know, no one had to lose their spot. There was open spots and like, okay, I could maybe save some dreams here. I, I know what it's like, you know, maybe tell me your perspective when you seen that unfolding and for some people it kind of came out of nowhere for other people, like I, I thought maybe this might happen. You know, what can you tell us? I thought that, you know, even though the stories are different, there are some similarities. I knew exactly how they were feeling. Um, and, you know, we talked it over with our USBI PFEC and, you know, we had the extra slots. And uh, despite what was put out there that 
by some people insinuating that we were forced by the IPF to have to take these people on. That wasn't it at all. Um, like you said, we had some of the extra slots and we were like, why not if we can help some of these people and it doesn't, you know, affect uh, mainly the USBI, you know, interests of our current membership, then why not? Let's just grab some of the people we can to help them. And that's why we did it. And the interesting thing is, um, so while you're doing this and you're literally saving people's, you know, world championship dream and everything they put in. And for some people who try to downplay it, there's a few podcasts you go back and you listen to them. And like, I had a couple of gut check times listening to their stories. And, um, and I know, I don't think, I don't got to tell you, you've been through all this and know what it's like to get this close and have it taken away and be like, oh my God. Um, so you would have a direct emotional attachment to me if, if I can do something, I will. But you, including Chandler Babb, who is, you know, one of the biggest threats for you becoming the three division world champion, the first three division world champion ever. Um, and that might be like the, the, at this point in terms of motivation for accolades you're chasing, you almost had them all, but here's another one. And, and this would be a beautiful one. And you made sure Chandler Babb through nothing about yourself had her pathway blocked and all you had to do was nothing. You didn't have to do anything. And that would be just be one less person to worry about. And you said, I have an opportunity and I'm going to get Chandler's spot secured to be there so she could possibly take this away from me. Like that, if that isn't goat mentality, but um, like some people talk it and other people through actions do it. Tell me about, did you have any hesitation or were you like, holy fuck, I can't believe I'm doing this, but it is what it is. Oh, you know, uh, it, real talk, it just, it just felt right. Uh, I felt like it didn't feel right if she didn't get the opportunity to come. You know, I talked it over, well, like I said, with the, uh, the rest of the EC and they were like, you know, that, that sounds right to us too, that she should be there. And I said, all right, yeah, we need to invite her then. It just didn't feel right without allowing her to also have that opportunity. So I know some people may be like, are you you're crazy for doing this? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, know, you don't even got to stop her away. You just don't have to do anything. Right? Yes. <laughs> but no, it just felt right. It's like it's like a boxer going to a boxing match. His opponent's not going to make it, so you pick him up and drive him there. And it's yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the payday was I'll yours. Remember this one day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, what was her impression? She must have been like, "Holy smokes!" Like she looked shocked initially because I called her to tell her just initially, and I can get it because I'd be like, "What?" In my head, I'd be thinking, <laughs> "You're inviting me," uh, but no. Um, she was like, yeah, I'd like to. I was like, all right, then. I said, well, welcome to the team. We'll make it happen. So it's pretty much it. Yeah. In for Chandler, it is her first um, IPF World Championships. So yeah. it's got to be, it's such a bizarre setting for someone like her to have someone like yourself who you're standing in the IPF. And then um, for you to be reaching out to, to save her World Championship dream, knowing exactly all the stakes on the line. This is wild, man. Talk about a freaking story. I mean, um, is it going to be, how do you guys split it when you're there in terms like handling the whole nine? I guess it's just game on, may the best woman win. Uh, no, we're going to do it in such a way that we can ensure there's no conflict of interest. Right. So we will ensure that she has uh, the people that available to help her reach her goals as well. That way, because we don't want to have any situations like we've had in the past on other teams. We will ensure 
that there's a separate separation that she's completely comfortable with who's handling her and that she ensures that her best interests are being served as well, as will I from my side. So. I'm, I mean, you're not doing all this just for some some bullshit victory. You're like, look no. at me. I, I did a lot to get you here. So <laughs> we're not stopping there. I don't want to no. hear those stories. No, we happening. will not be setting anybody up for failure. We will yeah. do all we can to ensure that she can be her best version of her. I bet. And how did it feel being in that position? You know, everything that happened to you previously a couple of years earlier, and a lot of people are, for lack of a better word, ignorant towards it. Ignorant in the way that they just don't know any better. And fair enough. The story hasn't been fully told. We're not going right. to go full on deep into the story now. But um, but but uh, like a lot of people don't. And then when this shit happens and then you start reaching out to people, start helping people and saving their situation, like their, their dream of going to the world championships. How did it feel? Did it feel a little bit like. Uh, like like it's weird. It almost came full circle. It almost came like almost straight out of like a fucking movie where it's me who's going to go around saving people's world championship dreams. Like, isn't it weird that it's me going around? Like, I got you. I know exactly how, what you're thinking, how you feeling. And um, it's almost like this. I don't want to get super cheesy with you, Kimberly. And I swear to God, we're not going to have a crying in each other's shoulder moment, but, but, (laughs) but, you know, they say, if you can be, when you grow up, sometimes you try to be the person that you needed previously when you were younger not like a shitload younger for you but sometimes you end up in life knowing what someone else is going through and you could be unsympathetic or you could be like i am going to be the person i needed when i was there i'm going to be the person that i didn't have that person reach out the hand and be like i got you i'm going to secure this i'm going to walk you through it you know and you have the opportunity to do that and it's unique sometimes that'll never come you know, it's, it was such a unique thing that happened to you. And it's not the exact same that happened to these people, but they caught up in some political bullshit that had nothing to do with them. And you had that opportunity to be like, I know, I know what I got to do. You know, how did it feel to be able to do that? Did it help exercise some demons? And uh, Well, well, I have none of those demons. The people who caused it have those demons. Sure, but yeah. I would say, yeah. Right. <laughs> I would say that um, it does feel like things kind of came full circle, but Someone said to me, yeah, this definitely could be a powerlifting movie, this whole situation with me and my career. But I just, I would have never saw this happening. I, I definitely was happy once everything came full circle and I was able to continue competing, but I never thought I would be moving forward and being an official the secretary general for an IPF federation and then now in a position where I can help others. Um, but I can tell you that it makes some of the stuff that I went through worth it. Yeah. Knowing that if, cause I obviously couldn't see this back then, but I knew, I knew going through that fight, it would hopefully help people if it was successful. So being able to be in a position now where you could help others, hell yeah. I mean, that's something that brings me a lot of happiness in my life just in general. So uh, happy that we, you know, you know, the Federation could be a part of that to help people. Those we could. Oh. Yeah. And that's, and that's like, that's another thing for life. You can't help, you can't save everybody. And we saw that with this, where it's like, you, you can only do what you can do. And there's that yeah, almost some that people weren't putting understanding. We tried to make that understood that. It's yeah, yeah. what can you, you, there's almost like the survivor's guilt people have, or the, when you try to, when you, what, what can you do? You, you literally can't bump other people. You can't subplant people 
there's Can no say it one more time, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. I know what you mean. Um, it's tough, but you can go to bed at night knowing like I did the best I could. You yeah. know, I, I did the absolute best I could. Um, and I think the last little cat, obviously the piece where you added Chandler just to make sure, like, look at, I had every excuse. If I wanted to, like, <laughs> I had every excuse I could have, I could, that, that was the one. If anyone's like, I don't know. Well, come on, man. She literally, you know, she definitely did not pick and choose. She, she did like the worst possible by her. Um, yeah. Thanks. It, <laughs> yeah, it kind of is what it is. Um, and yeah, Arian, yeah. I know I'm throwing a lot of questions out uh, here, but if you want to jump in, so uh, I was just gonna, yeah, focus on those two, two points again as, as one, like, you know, when of you're in that, when you're in that posi- <laughs> position of power, it's like, yeah, you want to try and take the conflict of interest out of it. So, like, you know, you're selecting people based on whether they want to come, whether they're, they're able to come as far as the timeline and whether it fits your team. And it doesn't matter if it's going to hurt you or something like that. You bring them on. And same thing with the coaching. You're taking the conflict of interest out. They have their coach. They have their strategy. You have your coach. You have your strategy. And then the other point was, um, for example, with the uh, equipped team, the open worlds, you you pr- gave the primary slot. You already kept the primary slots for the USVI lifters. You didn't say, okay, I'm going to take out the USVI lifters. We're putting in all the USAPL lifters. You said, no, they got those spots. They deserve those spots fill in the rest with what's available and so you did have to uh decline you know maybe a couple people but you, you you stuck to you know what you said what you felt was right which is supporting the usvi lifters first and then beyond that the taking the conflict of interest out taking on whoever you can minus myself uh, but yeah <laughs> just playing Chandler. just playing Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> um i remember when uh when you first moved on to usvi and some people would have been previously like, you know, what's the USVI team? They don't have a team, really. They're not represented at the Worlds. And whatever people might have been able to say, fast forward, like, isn't it funny? Fast forward a couple of years now, and now everybody knows who the USVI team is. And everybody's, oh, you see now, now you respect the game. Now you respect what's going on. Now you're going to... and these are going to be your teammates. These are going to be your coaches. These are going to be, and everyone watching is going to see this. And it's like, all right, you know, it's a, it is, it is funny how it all works out, you know? And, um, isn't it, isn't it though? Almost like it's karma. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And, um, my God, Kimberly, I thought your story initially when, um, 2018, you weren't there. Come back 2019 to absolute killers. I mean, absolute killers. And this is that storyline. Like by that time, you are already, you're born in 78. So you're already a master lifter in your forties coming back. And there are like, it was a murder reserve. The 72 kilo class was the most stacked division of that whole IPF world championships. And in that one came right down to the very last deadlift and you pull for the win. And it would have been like, there it is. Oh my God, what a story with everything you had faced to come back. And it's like, there's no way she could keep doing this and you do it again. And it'd be like, that, that would have been like the beautiful ending. And then when all of this shit happens, it's like, my God, Kimberly's story goes on and on and on. Like, it's not another chapter. It's gotta be another book, no? <laughs> it had to be a yeah. sequel. Yeah, it's a sequel. <laughs> Dude. We're just riding this out as long as we can. So, 
do, do you ever sit back and you're like, holy shit, man? What yeah, is I can admit it amongst a close company, we'll crack and laugh about all the shenanigans. That's the way I describe it sometimes that have happened, good, bad, and indifferent. But hey, at least I'll be able to somehow laugh back at all this stuff when it's all over with and look back and say, damn, I had a, I had a crazy uh, powerlifting career, huh? So... <laughs> That's a, if there's ever anybody who's going to make a documentary or whatever the hell, it's got to be you. Because not only if it's if it would have happened to someone who just won one or two titles, which is phenomenal, but someone who's not only the goat, but all everything that's happened to the goat is insane. It's uh, it's some juicy stuff, man. Um, honey but, badger, man. Honey badger. Remember I told you that. <laughs> still here. Um, <laughs> When it is like, where do you see yourself now that you've done, like you've done it all at this point, when this is over, do you think you're sticking around? Do you see yourself in what position do you see yourself sticking around? I definitely see myself uh, being a part of the administration of the USBI, still coaching. Um, hopefully by then also I'll be retired from my nine to five. So I'll be able to have even more time to devote to this world, but yeah, I, I couldn't see myself not being around powerlifting somehow, some way. And hopefully just encouraging and coaching, you know, new athletes to continue on in the sport. So I was going to jump in there real quick, Ryan. And if uh, Kimberly, if you want to give a quick breakdown of one, like some people think like, you know, you're in charge of everything and you're running everything. If you can give a yeah. shout out to some of the other USVI people. And then what are some of the things you're trying to do to develop uh, USVI in the Caribbean? Yes, uh, we have a whole administration, a national governing board and an executive committee, just like every other federation. Uh, the president is Coach Massey, the vice president is Ronald Walker. I am the secretary general. We also have a treasurer, Garmez Parks, and as well as our executive director, who is also Gene Bell, previously of USAPL. I think many people are aware of him as well. And uh, collectively, you know, the EC, you know, we take care of the day-to-day, -day, the admin stuff, but we also do it in partnership with the National Governing Board, like every other IPF affiliate. I know I'm not trying to be sarcastic in saying it, but I feel the need to let everyone know that um, USVI is, is, is not a new affiliate of the IPF. We've been around for a long time. We uh, may not have had as large a team as some of the other affiliate federations, but we, we have been in existence as well just like everyone else. Um, I also feel the need to say it only because you may, made me think about it. Um, for those who don't know, um, the US Virgin Islands is a US territory. Uh, they are Americans, they have US passports. Um, it was not a workaround for any of the people or some way to undermine the IPF constitution. It's actually in the constitution and it's been in existence since November, 2018. And I know this because I was one of the first to benefit from this. So uh, guys, you just gotta take a chance and go look at the constitution and bylaws. You'd be, you become more educated about how things work, you know, instead of sometimes just listening to people tell you things, you can go and find out yourself and then empower yourself to be educated about how things are run and why certain rules are in existence. And what was your second question? Uh, Cause of, I know- Of, of how you're trying to uh, develop and grow the Caribbean. Yes. Uh, um, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm also, uh, I'm Jamaican descent. So uh, the connection to the Caribbean is very strong for me. And I jokingly like to say that even though I'm a part of the VI team, um, we're all cousins because we're in the Caribbean and it is our goal to of course uh, develop the, the organization for people who are VI descent and VI residents. And it just so happens that we're in a position where some of the cousins like myself um, 
are allowed to join as well. But first and foremost, our, our goals is just to continue to help the VI and VI Descent Lifters develop their organization and to help increase, you know, membership in the Caribbean of the other Caribbean countries as well, as part of the NAPF and the IPF. Yeah, I mean, look at this has been a huge PR for like, everybody's aware now. I mean, and and I love that you said, you know, don't overly just make assumptions or, or throw things out there in the comments or on podcasts, but look into some things, but people don't. Um, no. You know, people don't. It is a good. I'm making a point to try and at least encourage it. So, yeah. well, it's good to have you on, though, that you could you could say it. That's why I thought it was important as well um, for you to come on here and maybe explain some of this, like you did right there, where it's like, look at this. There's reasons why why and and you had said there's reasons why some of these things are in place as well. Um, if people want to research that kind of end as well. Um, looking back at your your career, which is a historic career for powerlifting. Who do you think was your biggest rival? I don't want to say rival. I would, uh, because I don't consider her a rival. Um, I want to say one of my strongest competitors that I've competed. And I don't want to say a rival because we like each other. And it'd be Anna Castellane. I mean, we've never, we're actual friends. We're not like some of these petty ones you see out here who act like when they talk to you and in social media, they're friends. No, we actually like each other. There's a, a mutual respect of, uh, amongst each other about the fact that we just push each other just physically and emotionally when we battle each other. And it's been that way for as long as we've known each other. I mean, some so much so to the point that the majority of times that when we're done competing, like we literally end up like tearing up and hugging each other. And I don't hug anybody, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, because we know, you know, the battles that we've had to go through to get to where we are. So I think it's almost like even sometimes, and I know like Anna speaks English, and but sometimes even when there's a little bit of a disconnect based on language, that we can see it in each other, you know, that we're cut from the same cloth, kind of. So we understand each other. So, so uh, fine. Mean, uh, without calling her a rival, I would say my my best competition for me as a lifter has always been her. And it's um, it's such a unique situation that you two who, yeah, I mean, the only other person probably in the world that's going to feel the pressure is your, is your competitor. You know, it's one of those things where you both go through it and she's won titles in and out of equipment, world games, and she's been all through it. You know, she knows about like powerlifting drama. She knows about the highs, the lows, been all yeah. through it, just like you. Yeah. And, and um, so you guys both have that. And it is one of those deals when you show up in Sweden and you're both in the warm up room and look at each other, you're I, I mean, I hate to say, it, Kimberly, your, your life is such a movie that it's it's you. It's got to be you. We're both going for the exact same thing. Not just the world championships, but the distinction of three world titles and three weight classes. Both of you the exact same year. Yeah. This is, I mean, what the shit, Kimberly? This is like so much uh, a storyline I couldn't, I don't have, sometimes I try to hype things up and this I don't have to hype up. The fact that you two who are friends, legit friends, all-time greats, both Hall of Famers are going to be there together. Look across the warm-up room and like, God damn, only one of us can do this. It's not going to be like the pole vault in the Olympics where you get down to the last pole. It's like, do you all want to split the gold medal? No. You know? It ain't going to be that. It ain't going to be that. Um, are you glad? Like, all right, well, I mean, if it's got to be somebody, let it be Anna Rosa. Did you kind of see something of this coming where this is going to come to a head at some point? I, I had a feeling because we were always, always in the same type of situation regarding weight. 
I had a feeling she was going to be a 69. So it was easy for me to think I'm definitely going to see her, you know, um, not being aware of Chandler until, you know, I saw USAPL national. I was like, okay, so now we have someone else in the mix too. So um, um, theoretically it could be either one of us, but we're all three of us, but we're all fighting for it, you know? So let the best woman win on that day. And it is what it is. And I am happy to say, I'm thankful that her and Chandler and the rest of the uh, ladies of the class are a part of it. Um, because you know that everyone did what they could to try and get here to be in this point. So I couldn't have asked for it better than not to take away from Chandler and everyone else. But like I said, me and Anna have known each other for years. It, it's, it's poetic, of course. <laughs> why, why wouldn't we two be a part of it? So yeah, it, it is, it would all, it's still poetic if both of you two are battling it out and it ends up, if it ends up being Chandler, and you're like, well, I, am I passing the torch now? Maybe are the two lionesses that were on top battling it out and, and we, it would have to be between one of us. What if it's like, okay, what if, what if it is Chandler then? It's still poetic for her to be like, all right, I'm cool with it. Eventually we all, like we're all aging, okay? And that's what makes people like your, your story, we're only a year apart, inspirational for everybody. I don't give a shit if you're 25, you know it's coming. You, yeah. we're not dumb. You That's know, why we don't so, talk about it. Yeah, you yeah. just don't talk about it, and you you live in the moment. I got you. But when you're 25, we know how the story goes. So it's always going to be inspirational to see people that just defy the odds, and you continually defy the odds on and off the platform. You could have not been here for a million different reasons, and you're still here. Um, but at some point, are you just going to keep? Like I've asked myself, like, do you see yourself being like, look at if I win this one? and I win three in three weight classes, I'm the first. I've won every freaking accolade they have. I should leave on a high and it gets no sweeter. Or do you say, I'm gonna keep coming to scratch and keep loading up that fucking barbell for the win because God knows you're gonna load up the barbell for the win. And eventually I'm gonna pull and I'm not gonna win. And that's how my story goes. I think, I think the latter probably seems more like me. I've, I've gone back and forth with both. I've had people ask me the question and I feel like you don't know until you're in the moment where you have to make that decision. Um, but just knowing how I am, I think it's the latter. And if that day does come, I have to say if, because I can't compel myself to say it's going to happen because I have to have confidence in myself to know that I can, I can fight for as long as I can. So I'm gonna say, if that day has to come, then I can still look back and know I've accomplished a lot. And that doesn't mean that it'll end for me. It was just a matter of, will I still continue to compete? And probably knowing me most likely. So. <laughs> That's it, man. Listen. Um, if it changes, I don't know. We have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember somebody was asked this question. I think it was probably like knowing me. It's probably a boxer, MMA fighter. And they're asking like, when are you going to retire? Are you going to retire undefeated? Or somebody got to take your title? And he goes, my friend, lions don't retire they got to be fucking killed by the younger lion because there can only be one. I like that. You know, and when he said it, it sounded so badass. He was like, I don't retire. You need to take it from me. Yeah. You know, so surprise, surprise, I'm back again. Right? It's one of those like, fuck yeah. When I heard him say it, I'm like, that's how my fucking hero goes out. You know, like Kimberly's loaded up the deadlifts. This is what I said on the previous podcast. She's not defending silver. She, she, I don't see her. Defend. What if she misses and ends up in bronze fourth, fifth, then she ends up in bronze fourth or fifth, but yeah. she pulls, she's the queen. She's pulling for the throne. It doesn't matter. I would rather hear a story of, 
um, you know, Kimberly came in third, fourth, whatever she missed her last dead. Was she pulling for the win? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> that's what the fucking lion does, <laughs> right? But that's yeah, what but the lion does. Level would. And anyone realistically who's fighting for the top three, even the top five knows that. Yeah. It's you're going for placement or championship first. And yeah. you have to weigh that. And, and you're always one pull away from the championship. Right? It's one of those deals where you yeah, it can't. It seems like that. The majority of them, right? Have been. <laughs> I would say it I'll would go be. Back look when I'm done. I don't know. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a cold day in hell when you're not. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's what. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are you looking back at your career? So, your biggest. Um, I won't say rival. See, when I say rival, I mean it respectfully. When oh, I, say, I know you do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so Anna Rosa was probably the number one that helped push you, et cetera. What do you think was the one win that was sweetest, that meant the most? I know they all did. The first one's sweet. Yeah. Comebacks are sweet. But what do you think is the one that, like, that one was satisfying? Uh, of course, the comeback. It was 2019? Yeah. <laughs> Come on now, you remember my face up there? Yeah, no said it all, didn't it? <laughs> so. it, it I, I said it on the live broadcast. I legitimately had the feeling like Jessica's from Canada and um, it's easy to like root for like the, the, not the hometown girl, but the home nation. But I remember thinking, and she had so much steam behind her coming in. But when you walked up, I said it on the broadcast, when you loaded the bar and walked up for the win, if beforehand you had doubt, like, man, she's getting pushed and this is this is crazy opposition she's facing. When you pulled that last deadlift, I swear to God, I had the feeling it would not have mattered what had to be on the bar. In that moment, and this is like bullshit people say, like, it wouldn't matter, it wouldn't matter what was on the bar, I was going to get it. And we say shit like that, even though we don't mean it. But that was one of the few times, and I've done a lot of sessions at the World Championships where I actually... When I seen you walk up and I'm, and, and Jessica came in silver and she's Canadian and, and I'm, and I'm Canadian, obviously. And I'm like, Oh, right before you did it. I remember thinking she's going to get it. Like you could just tell there was something where you're like, this is not going to fucking end like that. Not this year. You know? And I, I don't, do you feel that before you even grab the bar? You're like, this is, yeah. yeah, I knew. And like I said, like, for, especially for this one, it had nothing to do with her or the other ladies. It was like bigger than that. And it was because of, I know everything that I went through just to get back to that moment mm -hmm. that I literally think I, I knew I give every, my all when I compete, but I damn sure would have gave everything close to damn near life. And I know it sounds crazy to say that, but because it meant so much to be able to have that moment and be like, yeah, see, despite everything you did, I'm here. And not only am I here, <laughs> I'm back. Mm. So I, I gave it everything I had for that. It, it is. Um, it's that ability to be irrational, if only for that moment where you're like, like when you said, like, I would give my life, I would give. And, and I know for a lot of people, it'd be like, come on. Think I'm like, Listen, if right. you ask me now, would I die for it? I'd be like, no, I love my life. But in that moment, when you make an irrational decision, we're like, fuck it, I'm going all in. Like you, you see things in sports where you're like, what were you thinking? It's like, it's going to sound crazy and you're not going to understand. And if you ask me on the weekend or my day-to-day, -day, like, fuck, no, I'm not giving up anything for, you know, it's just a sport. But in that fucking moment, it's, it's a weird feeling where you're like, I am just completely so 
into the moment. I'm caught up in this moment and I am thinking that irrational. I am like, this is all or nothing. I will put it all on the line. This has to happen. And you full on believe it's a, it's a, it's a unique thing in sport. And sometimes you catch it and you watch it. And I swear to God, I seen it. And I was like, Oh shit. And after you hit it, it's like, that was gonna, that there was no other way that was going to end. I think I said, fuck yeah, too, but I, mean, <laughs> I think if I go back and I play it every once in a while, and I swear it looks like I said, fuck yeah, but yeah. hopefully I'll make a note of that next time just to yeah. make sure I don't curse. When one <laughs> it was okay. It was needed a sports moment. It was, it was just as yeah. good. It um, like it like reminds me of uh, a couple days ago the Bucks Cowboys played like for the first game and of course it comes down to the end like you know one minute on the clock the Bucks are down one timeout and they have a picture of Tom Brady on the sideline with those eyes and everyone's like here we go again you know what's gonna happen and he goes and drives it down and gets the winning field goal and then pulls mm-hmm. off the win and it's like Tom it's, Brady yes yeah, same thing there you see you know you see Anna pull then Isabella pull and then Jess pull and then like here we go again Kimberly pull for the win. I have a lot of respect for Tom Brady also because he's in his 40s. So I appreciate <laughs> doing what he's doing. <laughs> when you started lifting, did you have somebody you looked up to at the time? Yeah, there's so many. It was like uh, Ruthie Schaefer, you know, Jill Mills was back then. That's people I knew. And of course, my coach at the time, Gene Bell, he's still one of my closest friends. But it was the people who were the best at the time, you know, I looked to them. So they were the ones who guided it from the beginning. And now that you're in the position you were in, because you were looking up to them and a lot of people obviously throughout this are, are now looking up to you. Did you see anybody on the up and coming where you were like, do you ever think about like when you're like passing the torch, like this would be someone I could pass a torch to, or are you like, I don't even think about that. It's just going to happen. I'll look back after the fact. Or do you actually see up and comers and be like, I think I see a part of myself and I not a part of yourself that maybe that sounds too narcissistic. Maybe it's more, you see that, that fire and you're like, Oh shit, I recognize that. Cause that's what I had on the way up. Does that ever happen when we're game recognized game? I see uh, people have potential, but I'm going to say this because I forget that Anna's that much younger than me, <laughs> uh, that uh, seeing her continue on in her own greatness and not to knock the other ladies, but like I said, I've, she, we've been together pretty much most of my career, you know, and uh, I don't think she's done. And I feel the need to say this too. I don't think she gets enough respect for what she has accomplished. I remember once I saw her page that she only wrote that she was an IPF lifter and that's just who she is. And I sent her a message. I was like, you're more than an IPF lifter. And like, here it is. I'm reciting back to her the things she's accomplished. I'm like, you should put this on your Instagram. And she, of course, she's like, no, no, no. I was like, no, people need to know because you're inspiring other women too. You know, not just the women in Brazil, you know, people worldwide. They should know what you've accomplished. And I was happy to see she finally updated that. But yes, <laughs> if I would say someone, I, I'd say her. So, yeah. She's like 32, 33. So. It's because she's been around forever. Yeah. Right. It feels like, like she would be older only not due to like only because of her accomplishments. Like when you look at a resume, most people with a resume like that have to be older, but no, she she conceivably in her prime and has another five years in her. Oh yeah. I think she has more than that. Shit. I'm 43. She's 33. I know it's crazy. Um, What, what is some of the things that you've done? Like, do, are, do you train differently now than you did when you were 33? I think uh, one of the things is probably uh, not as much volume because one of the things I've learned with getting older is that 
you can still train at a higher intensity, but it sometimes requires less volume because it's harder on the body as you mm-hmm. get older. Uh, definitely um, extremely focused on my rest in between training days. It's essential and also paying attention, like where 20 year old me would have said, eh, I feel a little something. Uh, I'm just going to ignore it and keep training. A 42-year-old me will say, no, I need to go to the physical therapist and see what is this. And maybe I need to take today off and just focus on the harder days and in the in the week for training so that I can rest my body. Just I would say more than anything else is just paying attention to my body more as I've gotten older, making smarter decisions instead of letting you know the young eagle in your head tell you you can do something when really you should be doing it assessing is if it's the right thing for you to do. And and then of course, continuing just to gain more knowledge about the sport, not only as an athlete, but as, you know, as a referee and coach, it's constant learning process. No one knows everything, no matter how long you've been around. And you have to be able to, to be, I think sometimes even to humble yourself to be able to learn new information because there may be new ways for you to train it. Well, hopefully even as one of the old heads will help you squeeze out a little bit more, a few more kilos. So that's how I see things. Um, yeah, I mean, especially with this day and age, the dissemination of information and, and sharing of it, like 10 years ago, when you were 33, people weren't, we wouldn't know what other people were doing, like their programs or whatnot. Now, yeah. everything is being shared, like, uh, whether it's whoever it is, name the person, Amanda Lawrence, Taylor, I would Russell or whoever, if you're a heavyweight, all of the programming or whatnot, like you could find it out and figure out what everybody's doing and, and sort it out, different things that they found. People have their channels, YouTube or otherwise are straight up yeah. programming. Some people are like, here is the programming I do. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. I'm not gonna take it all, but I could take pieces where, so you, if you humble yourself and be like, it doesn't matter who I am. If I wanna stay on top, I gotta, I gotta adapt. And I think some people who don't stay as long as you did, didn't adapt. You know, they're just like, I, this always worked for me. Yeah, but historically speaking, in every sport, you it's the people who adapt, not the people who always did what always worked, right? That's like the number one thing, the best way to like, Solution. how do you die off? Tell yourself, would it always work this way? Well, yeah. you're going to die off there, right? <laughs> Essentially. Um, are you constantly adapting or, I mean, not like re- totally retooling yourself, but um, mm-hmm. do you make efforts in the, in that fashion as well? Every cycle. Yeah. And it's not just uh, me just relying on myself. Like I said, I think we all in life, whether personal, professional, have a council that, you know, so you talk with the people that, you know, you respect, you know, for a variety of reasons. And, you know, you get their perspective as well, you know, on when you think about things. And I, I'm very confident in, in the decisions I'm making myself, but I think it's very good to also have a, a tribe that you can depend on to, to run things by too. And I do. So same tribe no new track <laughs> keep the inner circle tight right yeah <laughs> like drake no new friends no, no new friends, friends. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're on the usavi the usvi yeah. team we got the out okay, all right new well, business associates business associates we'll call them new cousins uh, but yeah new cousins there it is um in terms of what would so because you've gone through so much in terms like whether it's training whether it's life experience whether it's all of it the difference between Kimberly Walford now and Kimberly Walford previously when you first started the game is, I mean, there's no way in 2002 you would have ever seen any of this coming. And there's almost no words for you now if you were in the room with 2002 Kimberly Walford to describe 
in if you if I said you got five minutes to talk to this young lady, there's no fucking way you would put the story down. You would overwhelm her. She would or or just scare her off. So if you could give her advice though, without getting into all the nuts and bolts why and everything that's gone on, what would you tell Kimberly Walford of twenty years ago? I would tell her first and foremost, believe in yourself because you have to start there no matter what you're trying to accomplish. Have a plan to do so. Always continue to educate yourself about processes and uh, how things work and um, how to be able to uh, air a grievance if necessary. And this is personal or professional. Say, continue to keep the same circle of people as long as they're loyal, you know, they're good people to keep around. And then I, I would also tell myself to always be open to apologizing when you know you've done something wrong. But if something you know is right and you feel it in your heart that something is right, then you should do everything you can to fight for it, to defend it. And yeah, that, I guess that would be the things that would say to me. But I know if you tried to scare 2002 me, I'd probably be like, nah, you can't scare me. I don't <laughs> I'm still gonna come, <laughs> so. Is it funny? But, yeah. <laughs> Imagine 2002, Kimberly wasn't trying to hear it from you. No, she's like, whatever. Really. You're an old head. I don't want to. You're like, oh, yeah. damn it. That is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, I'm frustrated with myself now. What's going on? Here? I think that's probably all of us, though. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, what would you like now that you're now that you are in uh, 2021, Kimberly? What would you like your legacy to be? If you're, I mean, even if it's like another five years you're lifting or whatever it might, the case might be, what do you think is more important to you now? Because you've reached all these accolades that I gave, but now you're also, you've had the unique experience of now impacting other people already, and you're still in the game, but you've just this year, everything you've done with the behind the scenes, saving some people's, you know, world championship dream and, and starting up this federation and this, and I know you coach athletes and, and you're an icon in the sport an inspiration in sport on a many different levels. What do you think now? It's because it's bigger than athletic, isn't it? It's not just your athletic prowesses now that we're talking about. I, Can I, I just say one story first? You know what? Let me say yeah. one for anybody. I remember fucking damn near 10 years ago, you probably don't even remember, and, and this is before yeah, I did King yeah. Lifts. <laughs> you, you might not even remember, this is before I did King Lifts or, or did any IPF commentary or anything. I remember I put a, a question on a face, this is when everyone's on Facebook. Um, I'm so 40 bringing up Facebook right now. And I put a, com, a question on Facebook post to like one of the federations or something and nobody hit me back. And this wasn't your post. It was a USAPL post. And I had a question and you didn't know me from a fucking hole in the wall. I'm not even an American. And we would, you probably would never have even thought you would ever meet me or anything. And you see nobody commented or gave me the reply and you fucking slid in my DMs and told me, Hey, um, I seen you posted this. So how it works is in, you told me what I wanted, what I was looking for. And for you, this is just a post that 10 years ago, you probably won't remember any of this, but I never forgot that Kimberly. And like 10 years later, I am the IPF commentator and I'm doing King of Lifts. And it just goes to show like, you don't know who you're impacting. If you have a shitty interaction with somebody and I never would have forgot a shitty one, or if you have a positive one, you owed me nothing. And I'm like, she stand up. I, th I think she stand up. And then 10 years later, it's like everything I've just said about you in this podcast you've done. And it's like, I just thought that's a storyline that like, it doesn't mean much. I know it's a small thing, but it's no, it impactful, does. man. You know, 
it's impactful these things and um i've seen you on comp i've seen you at meets talking to people and people like holy shit and um it matters it matters when you do things like you did 10 years ago and people do do remember and if anyone's listening when you do shitty things in comments people remember that too yes that is do. also that we is also your but we know <laughs> that is also your legacy <laughs> you know that is also your legacy people got to think about that um, and I'm sorry, I, I took off on a tangent there about legacy, but I'll double back to the question because I just wanted you to get your roses for a second there. But how do you think your legacy is going to be? How do you want your legacy to be in the game? I wanted to be that she gave her all to be the best she could in the sport, not only for herself, but for the people that she could help, like that she loved the sport and the people in it and did what she could to help, you know, increase the, the notoriety and presence of our sport and then to help develop people and inspire people to push towards their own goals in the sport. That's really how I've always felt like it's great for me. And I've said it many a times. Yeah. You can win all these championships and medals and, and accolades, but what did you do while you were here for everybody else? Cause that's what people are going to remember. Yeah. They can go back and look and see you, you were a champion, but people aren't truly going to remember you if you didn't do things to help your, your fellow lifters and other people in the sport. So I have great confidence in knowing that. And it's not, arrogance in any way it's I'm completely confident in myself and knowing that I have helped people because it just feels good to help people and um and it feels good to empower people to you know to be better so because they've done it for me so I'll continue to do it as long as I can I, I you you you're definitely well on your way and um it's true it's been said before where people don't remember people remember how you made them feel when they came into contact with you they're not going to forget that, you know, they, they know you the whole nine, but they don't forget how you made them feel positive or negative. So, so, and um, yeah, that's it. Probably warranted if it was negative. Definitely. <laughs> that's right. But okay. that's a, there's, there's also that um, you hear shitty stories about me. You hear good stories about me. Believe them both. Cause I can yep. be both. It depends on the situation, <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Ew, you got yes. some more questions, man. I don't want to totally dominate this. Here. Yeah, come on, Arian. Come on, Arian. I was going to go back to some of the uh, training topic and training question because people always like to hear like, hey, what is this lifter doing? What is that lifter doing? Um, if you can just give a quick breakdown of how many times a week you train and what's like the frequency on each of the lifts. Mm -hmm. um, I train three times a week. Uh, I squat two to three times a week, depending on how my body feels. I deadlift only once a week. I bench three times a week. No surprise there because... <laughs> can always work on the bench. Um, I like to do variations of all exercises and accessory work because you can't just do the holy trinity of squat, bench, and deadlift. You need to be able to work on aspects of your training to make it better and also mobility. I see a physical therapist at least once a week for my weekly body oil change. I go in, <laughs> I, I tell Dr. Joe, he asks, how you feeling? I let them know if I feel anything and we work on stuff. And a lot of the times I feel humbled because I am constantly working on mobility. Yeah. He says I'm really good in these motions, but anything <laughs> outside of that, <laughs> I've gotten better. So. And, but, and then, um, you know, you, you talk about how you're always like, you know, coming back and you cycle, analyzing what your weaknesses are and making adjustments. Uh, one of the adjustments I saw is that if you go back years ago, you used to use heel shoes on squat versus more oh, recently, yeah. you've been using flats. If you want to break down like what your thought process is there. I was thinking about that, you know, always working on the squat. We have such an interesting relationship. I went back and looked at some of my old, old videos, like early, early USAPL days. And I noticed that I had flat shoes on. And I noticed like, 
you know, I just seemed uh, stronger and more, I had more power, it seemed, even in the hole and stability. So uh, what I did was I also set up, I think it's called Iron Path. There's so many of them out there, but basically I set it up to track the velocity and the acceleration. So I did an experiment with heeled versus a flat shoe. And I saw that my, my force, my acceleration, the power was stronger with the flat shoe versus the heeled. And I also felt better, more controlled. So that's why I switched back. And um, I use actually like Vivo barefoot. So those worked for me. That's what I squat in now. So that was one of the changes I made. And then when it comes to deadlift, I'm not sure when you started implementing it, but as being like, you know, the, the best conventional Della forever and having the, the world record and everything like that, winning the, you know, the pro Della at the Arnold all the time, um, you do also pull sumo in training. So what's your thought process on using sumo to build up the conventional? I think every lifter should. Um, I think if anything, it definitely, I know it works more of the anterior chain, but it definitely strengthens other aspects of not only your conventional deadlift, but it also has carryover for squat. So why not continue? I'm always about trying to make things harder on myself in training. So why not focus on something that may not necessarily be your main deadlift, but is going to have carryover for other aspects of, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, et cetera. So yes, I train both. Do you like sumo or is it more just a means to an end? Uh, I like sumo. I do. Um, but I, I used to always say that unless I can out pull myself a conventional and now I've tested a little bit more, I, I could potentially see it, but oh. just I've been pulling conventional for so long. It's hard for me to want to say, like, I, I can't lie to you until I haven't had conversations with it. Like maybe I'll just show up to a meet and just start with a sumo and then switch to conventional. But no, there's too much at risk and I have too much respect <laughs> for my <laughs> fellow competitors to put myself in such a damn situation. So, but yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll pull one sumo in a, in a competition. And then uh, across your, your entire lifting career and maybe even before from other sports, are there any like uh, big injuries that you had to deal with and come back from? Uh, there was one, uh, pu pulled my uh, QLs right side. Uh, I think it was after 2016. Uh, I think it was, it was one of those, Aaron, you know, it was one of those nationals where we only had a few weeks in between to get ready for nationals. And I had already, we did nationals. I had um, locked in the, the championship by the first one. And of course, you know, Gene at the time and of Steve, my my other uh, big brother was like, are you, you guys, you sure? You don't want to just pull out, you know, shut this one? I'm like, no, I feel great. <laughs> so <laughs> I pulled, <laughs> you know, you laughing because you know that's how I am. So uh, I pulled the second one and then they were like, no, really, you should just shut this down. I was like, no, let's go for the record. And then, yeah. I uh, went for the record and that's when I pulled, pulled my uh, cue out. I didn't even break ground. I felt a sharp pain and I knew it and I just tried to like play it off. But yeah, it, in, in all honesty, it took me like, I'd say a, probably a whole year and a half to recover, even though I was competing in between, but it took me a whole year and a half to recover from that injury. I was thankful that I was in a position that even at, you know, 80 to 90%, I was still able to be as successful as I was, but definitely wouldn't recommend it. So yes, I would have told myself no. Kimberly, you know, you should have shut that down, but sometimes, you know, you push yourself more than you need to. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, Arian, you, you, you got any more of my van? Aside from a, a, a train question, but it's like an interesting thought that, you know, everyone talks about the world games and being like the highest level of our sport and it's equipped. And I think maybe you've tried to get there before when you're more of an equipped lifter, uh, but people talk that maybe one day, you know, not this one coming up next year, or maybe in the future, could switch to raw. Could you see, you know, 
does that interest you? Like, hey, what if it switches oh, yeah. to Raw and that can be the, the next accomplishment, the cherry on top? Yeah, if I, yeah, if, I, if that could happen, that would be great. Yes, that would be one more thing to do because you know how it is. Once you've done certain things, you, you know nothing else but to reach towards another goal. So that would be the next level for us on the classic side. But oh, hopefully oh. They'll look it up so we can have classic and equipped. <laughs> yeah, we- <laughs> if anyone's listening. yeah who knows hopefully at some point and there's also the possibility of sheffield as well which sounds super dope uh i say possibility it is going to happen it's just a matter of they can't have travel bans or the threat of travel bans because they're going to take a bath financially i know so there's there's other things on the horizon if we keep moving forward um I want to, uh, I want to get this. If, if we're all, we, we could wrap it up. Cause I do have, I believe we've got three podcasts. We're crushing on our way to the IPF world championships. I appreciate your time as well. And I know you're probably knee deep into training, um, but I want to ask. An you, admin. <laughs> what's that? Sorry. I said an admin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. This is true too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you because you are the veteran, you've been to so many world championships for anybody listening, going to the world championships for the first time, what would you tell these lifters? I would tell them first and foremost, you've done all you think, all you can to prepare. It's just about you being able to make it happen on meet day. I would say get there two to three days before so you can rest. Who gives a crap if you're 20 years old? Trust me, you have to adjust the time. And a lot of people don't even think about the whole journey just to get to the meet hotel (laughs) after you get in country you know all that stuff matters not going sightseeing taking walking riding hiking rides before you compete like think about all the things that you need to do and remember why you're coming to compete and focus on doing that and you can have fun after that's what i tell myself (laughs) right yes stay stay later if you want to sightsee that's good yeah make friends afterwards that's cool but leading up to yeah it ain't over till it's over no yeah. you didn't put in all this work for nothing right that's right well said thank you goat much appreciated for your time um thank you for you hopping on taking all these questions i thought it was definitely necessary and i think a lot of people had a lot of questions about um everything that happened so appreciated from an athlete standpoint the story is juicy to um even the administrative like how this all happened with usapls like half their national team ended up shifting over i think some people had questions so i think we hammered that home much appreciated. Oh, Arian, the fingers uh, up. Sponsor shout, sponsor shout out. Who you want to thank for uh, letting you be able to do what you're doing in the sport? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> SVD, Rope Fitness, Transparent Labs. And I'm going to say USBI, my biggest sponsor, because without them, they're my team. So <laughs> thank yeah. you for letting me be a part of your organizations and represent you guys. Thanks, Kimberly. Much appreciated. And um, we'll see you in Sweden. See you guys in Sweden. Yeah.